here we are, the uh, Love Works. This is our last sermon. Can you imagine? Six weeks. Did it go so quickly? And I do hope that that memory verse is not something that just uh, popped into your head as far as song, but I hope it's something that's helped you think uh, about God and his love for us and how we're supposed to show that and uh, through this world. And so, um, and it's amazing to me how often when we begin to digest God's word and we think about it and meditate on it, how often we begin to see it alive in our life. And doesn't that build our faith? And uh, when we begin to see God's patience and his kindness, our opportunity to see patience and kindness in our own lives that we can express to others, uh, when his word comes and changes our life, it does, it builds our faith. So uh, don't forget that. In fact, we even picked a common tune that is somewhat still popular that hopefully it would remind you of God's love for you uh, every time you hear it. So good stuff. All right. Well, um, next week we're going to start a brand new series. And that series is going to be called uh, Empty Your Financial Worry Wagon. Because do you know what causes more anxiety than almost anything else? Money. We all know that, right? And do you know what God talks about almost more than anything else in Scripture? Money. We thought, anxiety and money. God talks about this, and it helps us. We thought, well, let's just put them together. In fact, let's do it now before the holiday season, which is a big time for people to be really anxious about money. And so we're going to be going through and having a four-week series on on money and, and finances and how to empty our financial worry wagons. And to help you with that, we have created a little card that kind of tells you a little about it. But you know what? Christians aren't the only ones that worry about money. Everybody does. And yet God is an amazing provider, and he's the one that gives us true security. And so we're going to talk about that. And so um, this card is designed to, one, help you understand what this is going to be about, what we'll be talking about, but also to invite somebody, maybe somebody you work with, a friend, just like Mike talked about. We are the ones that get to share the good news of Jesus. And so this is a tool that you can use to say, hey, you know what? Our church is going to be talking about this. Maybe you would like to come. Um, so there's that, that card there in your bulletin. Great. Before we do that, though, let's finish up this, this series, this, uh, Love Works, on one of the, the most impactful and powerful uh, components of love. Now, of course, here's the memory verse. We've all, in the verse we've been going through, love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And there's, we see that this, this thing that love is, and then also what also it resists, that, that flesh, the, the, our sinful nature that resists it, and how evil it makes us when we try to love somebody. And then it begins talking about how we live this amazing life. It bears all things. It believes all things, which is tr- all truth, what God says. It hopes all things. It actually hopes in those things. And then today we get to talk about this, this last amazing thing. It endures all things. And th- there's a lot of power into this. Uh, the endurance of God's love is not a, a small thing or, or love. We think about endurance, we usually think of, when I say endurance, you usually think maybe of an athlete that's able to, to, like a marathon runner. There's a guy in our church that runs 100 mile super marathons, and that's endurance, right? It just keeps going. It's like the Energizer Bunny, but better because there's no battery to run out. That's the concept. How do we have a love that endures? Not just some things, but all things. Well, that's what uh, Paul talks about here, and he helps us with. So, and love endures all things. And the thing is this. We see that love in this passage, it builds. You have to start with patience. You have to. If you don't have patience, if you don't choose relationship above your own expectations, to the point you're saying, I, don't, I have this expectation how a relationship works or things are going to happen, but I'm going to choose that person instead, 
right, when things don't happen according to what, if you don't start there, you never get to the rest of love. It begins with patience. And if you don't engage kindness based upon your patience, if you're just putting up with somebody and just tolerating them, you're really never going to find the, the joy of love. And aren't you glad that God doesn't just tolerate you? Right? But there's kindness into it. There's compassion that is put into action. We begin to see another person according to their real need, especially because they're not meeting my expectations. Where are they really at? And my compassion for them leads me to compassion action. And that allows me then to go and to bear all things with them. And so I'm able to go into their life because of my compassion. I say, in your brokenness, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to cover those sins. My love is going to cover your your brokenness and the ways that you fall short. I'm not going to leave you. There's not one area of your life that's left out of my love. right? It's not like I love most of you. I care for all of you. I cover you, but I also carry you. When you're broken, when, when you can't do it yourself, I'm not going to abandon. I'm going to bear you. And... And that kind of, of love that comes from a place of patience and kindness also then has to then have a place of hope to look to because that kind of wears it out, right? It means exhausting to love somebody in the midst of that. And so it believes all things because you're never going to be able to bear all things unless you know the truth about who that person is. And so we have to go back into Scripture. We look at what God says. This is who we are. And we believe all the things that God says is true, not just about ourselves, but around that person, that we are loved, that we have, that we have purpose, that we are not alone in this, that, that we are being restored, that there is still hope. I mean, there's a lot of amazing things that we need to believe, to believe all these truths that God says. And it's the belief in those truths that give us the hope that we need. Isn't it amazing that we have a, a faith that gives us hope? I mean, it could be very true, and it could have happened this way. We have a righteous God, and He could have said, you all messed up, you're all doomed. Right? There's no hope for you. And, and He could have done that, but He's not, because He's also loving, and I'm so grateful for that. And because God is loving, and because our faith gives us hope, the truth of God gives us a reason to understand that this world, the way it is right now, is not the way that it will be forever. And Mike talked about it this morning, and it was an amazing way, that, that there is a time coming. That we live for. And because of that, we know that what we see today is not the ultimate end. And we know it's not the ultimate end for this world. It's not the ultimate end for me. And it's also not the ultimate end for my relationships. There is more hope in this world, more reason for hope in this world than, than we could ever conjure up on our own. Our hope is based upon truth. God has overcome this world. God loves us. God's Holy Spirit indwells his church, his people. He's not abandoned us. And he's calling out in the midst of us the real person that he created us to be. I mean, there's a lot of hope that God can transform and he can heal. He can even raise dead people. And he can restore dead relationships. We have great reason for hope that is based upon truth. And it is that hope that then gives rise to our endurance. And so endurance, when we say endures all things, the focus of endurance cannot be our troubles. Now you think about a marathon runner. They don't look at the 999 miles that they have to run until they get to the finish line, right? Those super marathon guys. If they put their mind just upon that, they will be crushed. What they think about is there's, there's an end. I'm going to get there. And I used to run a race that was just one lap around 
the, the thing. That was all it was. It was 400 meter dash. And I got to run that in high school and college. And I wished that I wasn't good at that race because it was horrible. It was a painful, awful race. And how I would finish that race is I would start and I would sprint, right? And I'm going to do this. And you get around the first corner, like, that's 100 yards. That's a long way. (laughs) And then you get tired and you're like, I've got to go all this huge stretch. And there's another curve there. I can't even see the end at this point. So I don't think about the curve and the long stretch. I think about the end, the tape that's coming. I'm going to get to rest. And because of that, you could make it your way just step by step through it. And then you, you know, round that last corner. And you can see the tape. And then you just give it your all because you know that the end is that's coming. And there's a place to come and so you can endure and you can finish strong. We have to have the end in mind. Endurance comes from where we put our focus and a lot of things. And so that's why I think it comes after we have hope. When we talk about today, we're going to keep our focus. It's important. First place endurance looks is to God. And uh, this is what we have, uh, 2 Corinthians, the same book. It talks a lot about endurance in this book. And it says this, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever been there? You are had a place in life where you're like, I just can't do this. It is beyond my capacity. Paul understood that. In fact, how much he says, and we thought we would never live through it. Have you ever been there? So far beyond your capacity. So you can't even see the end. You just hope that there is one. What happened to Paul when he got to that point, when he was facing a suffering that was too big for him and, and too drawn out? It says this, but as a result, he said, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. We understand that our troubles are too big for us. Of course they are. If our troubles were never too big for us, why would we ever need God? We are in the midst of a battle for the souls of humans. We are are frontline workers. We have purpose. Do we expect this life to be easy? Jesus promised us it will not be easy. But he did say this, take heart, I've overcome this world. We win. We cannot look at our troubles, our day-to-day suffering, and say, this is too big for me, I give up. Yes, it's too big for you. That is exactly why there's glory when we overcome it. And we look to the one who's going to give us the power in his God. The psalmist said, I I, I look to the eyes. I look to my eyes to the hills, right, from where my hope comes from. My help comes from God. We look to God first, and that's something uniquely only believers can do because we know who He is. We know Him as a loving Father, and He cares for us. And so we can look to Him and His power, and it carried the apostle through. It will carry us through. You know, we also, we get to look to Christ. We know that we're not the only one who has suffered. You ever been in a place where you think, well, God can't understand what this is like. He's got all the power, right? God, it's great that He's with me, but He's... He's allowing me to go through this hard suffering because he can't suffer like this because he's God. He's got all the power. He can do whatever he wants. You know what? I think it's one of the most amazing things about Jesus is that he, he purposefully, willingly set aside his power so he could endure our lives like we do. He could understand it. And so it tells us here in Hebrews, it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We don't have to give up. It is too big, but we don't give up. How? 
He says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Do you get that? He is the champion. The champion who initiates, perfects our faith. He did it. He overcame. And he did it in a certain way. He said, because of the joy awaiting him, we get to see how he overcame. He looked to the end. And so he was able to endure its cro- the cross, and disregarding its shame. And now, where is he at? See at the right hand of God. What an amazing thing. We understand that Jesus had an example for us to follow. Jesus endured the cross with the weight of all the sins for all humanity, for all time. That's a, that's a lot of suffering. And the thing is, he didn't even deserve it. He didn't ever sin. And he did it for people who rejected him and, and the people that were, were being wicked to him. He, that's what he did this for. If Jesus can endure the cross, then perhaps I can endure my cross. And I do it the same way he did. Jesus didn't look at the cross. He didn't look at it as an end. He looked at it as a means. And we understand that we can follow Christ. And he understands us. He knows what it's like to be broken. He knows what it's like to be afraid. He knows what it's like to feel overwhelmed. He knows what it's like to suffer. And yet he overcame. He looked beyond his cross to the other side. And we can follow him in that. You know another thing we can look to? We know there's an endurance... Endurance, it looks to the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an amazing thing because those that, that lived before Christ, the faithful men and women of God who lived before Jesus, didn't have this. But we do. God's Holy Spirit who indwells us, who's with us. Can you imagine how amazing that is? Just think about this. It's Paul, 2 Corinthians again. This is what he says here. We have been beaten, which was bad, put in prison. Faced angry mobs. We worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience of kindness, and by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. You understand that our Christian walk, God has not abandoned us in the midst of our troubles. When we are facing troubles, oftentimes the first thing we think is, where is God? Where is he? How could God allow this to happen? Why doesn't he just make it better? Well, here's the thing is God is in you overcoming those things. You are not alone. It's not as though God is not even just like mildly not aware of what's happening. He is, he is acutely aware of everything is happening because he's with you. God is with you. Do we understand that? And so we face trouble. We say, my trouble is big, but my God is bigger. He is. He created the world. He's creating a new one. He's overcome the world. (laughs) And he's in me. And he says, I am an overcomer because of him. I have hope based upon truth. And that truth says that God the Holy Spirit is here. His power is here. He will not abandon you. And he will not face anything in your life that he can't handle. Do we believe that? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. Believe it, because it is the truth. And because of that, when we face trials and things that are so much bigger than us, we compare them not to ourselves. We stop looking at those things and we look at God, the Holy Spirit, and we say, thank you for being here. Help me. And he helps. We have to look to the Holy Spirit. And if that wasn't enough, 
What else we get to do? We get to look to God's church, his body. It looks to the church. I spelled that wrong, so don't stop looking at that. Let's fix that for next service, shall we? Stop looking to the church and look to the church. This is what it says here. When we are weighed down with troubles, right? When you have troubles in your life. Weighed down. And I love how it says, even when. Right? There's times in your life you won't be, but there's times in your life you absolutely will be weighed down by troubles. And even when that happens, and you're weighed down by them, it is for your comfort and salvation. What? How on earth could this horrible, awful thing possibly be for my comfort and my salvation. There's the truth of God that he's not allowing you to suffer anything, endure anything that is not for your glory and his own. Remember, the cross is not an end, it's a means. There is something beyond it. How do we get that in the midst of it? Because I would tell you what, when you are in the midst of suffering and you are against that mountain right now and that's all that you can see, how do you have the capacity to get perspective? Well, it says this, when we ourselves are comforted, we will comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Do you see the the context there? Who is he talking to? The church in Corinth. He's talking to believers. He's saying that, you know what, we're not perfect. If you ever go to a church that's perfect, stop going there. You are going to ruin it, but also it doesn't exist. We are broken people that have and continue to be recipients of God's grace. I have suffered pain in my life. And God allowed me to suffer those things because he's building me in in character and in trust and in godliness. But he's also allowing me to do that because you also are going to suffer. And when that happens, I need to be vulnerable enough to say, when I was weak, when I was in over my head, my God saved me. This is how. So I can encourage you, not from a place of just theological knowledge, but a place of actual experience where my God was here in my life and he is God. I'll tell you how many of you have comforted me over the last few years. Why? Because you've gone through difficult things and you've been real enough with me to share those things. And you've been able to testify to me, my God didn't let me down. That's amazing. There is power in testimony, isn't there? We build one another's faith. That is why to be a Christian and to not have a church family is the fastest way to lose your passion and your joy, to feel defeated. We weren't designed by God to be able to conquer this world by ourselves. He calls us to the church family. And you know what? You have value. And a lot of times people believe if I'm broken, I don't have value for the church family. That's the very thing oftentimes that gives you some value for the church family because you're not the only one that suffers. And so we look to the church. When I'm feeling it over my head, when I'm feeling hopeless and lost, when I feel all alone, I have a church family that reminds me that I am not. And that is the very place I need to go and to be very real with and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Help. Because I guarantee you're not the first one that struggled with those things. And you're not alone. And there's somebody around you who's able to put their arm with you and say, you know what? I've walked that dark path. Let me walk this with you. 
we look to the church. And we also, we look to the promise. We can't keep our eyes off the promise. God overcame. We're saved. There's purpose in this world. I love how it says it in Hebrews. And remember in Hebrews, this book was being written to a group of Christians in Rome when Christians were being burned alive for their faith. This is a pretty tough time. And he says this, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Our confidence doesn't come in this world or my abilities or other people. My confidence comes from God. And then I remember what God has done. It's not that we have a loving and a powerful God. We do. We have a loving and powerful God who has promised us great things. And He cannot lie. So I have great confidence. Have you ever watched a show, maybe it was for the first time, a movie or whatever, and you know there's a sequel? And in the first movie you're watching, maybe it's like, I love Indiana Jones, right? But I didn't watch Indiana Jones until the second movie came out. And in the first one, there were some times that I thought for sure he was going to die. Right? I just knew it. Because there was no way you get away from the Nazis like this. Right? He was done for. His problems were too big. Right? Too much. And I had this friend in high school that I watched the movie with, and he said, ah, he's going to make it. There's a sequel. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah. There's a sequel. I can just relax and see. I don't know how he's going to make it out of this, but he's going to make it out of it. Sure enough, he did. You have a sequel. You do. You don't end. Your problems will end, but you will not. You are eternal. You are always God's child. Isn't it amazing? And so we look to the promise, and we have confidence in the promise, and it allows us to relax a little bit. And to say, I don't know how the heck I'm going to make it through this. I don't know how God's going to allow me to do this. But it's going to happen. We're going to make it through it. In fact, I'm going to make it through it bigger, stronger, better for the kingdom. I look to the promise. But you know, it's not just for ourselves that we look to the promise. We also look to the promise for others. And that's where it goes back to love. Remember, love calls us out of selfish living and into selfless living. That we actually get to be more like God and we get to care about other people's and not just our own selves. It says this, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Paul writes this to Timothy, who is a leader of the church. And he says to Timothy, you're going to have to endure some things. Especially for Christians, right? Because we get real with one another. And we're not perfect. And when you're in a family, you endure things for a family, don't you? And he does this. Paul does this. He says, I endure everything for the sake of the other people. Not just for me. God's got me. He was fine in that by this point in his life. But he says, you know, I love you enough that I'm willing to endure your weakness. I'm willing to endure pain. I'm willing to endure difficult times. I'm willing to endure hopelessness times. Just from our own perspective, I'm willing to endure all those things for you. That you may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see how love begins, that hope that looking at the promise can help us remember that this world, just, just like Mike talked about we're on mission. We get to love the world. We don't be over, we're not overcome or by, by this world or by our problems or by difficult circumstances. That we get to be the light of Christ and be bold as the light of Christ out of compassion and out of love.
You see, that type of endurance, when we recognize that there is something better for a person, we say, you know, where they are today, I can't stand to see them hurt like this. I can't stand for them to be broken like this forever. There is something bigger. There is something better for them. It is that kind of love that allows us as Christians to go to our, our pre-believing neighbors and, and our co-workers and our family members who may be hostile to Jesus and to say, I love you, not as a project, but as a person. I love you. And you may be broken, but I'm going to stand with you. And I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to care for you because I have hope in Christ that there is something bigger and better for you than the way that you're living now. It allows you to stand with somebody even when they continue to make wrong choices and do hurtful and painful things because you're not looking at them. You're looking beyond them. And you say, you have, God loves you in a deeper way than you can ever imagine. It gives you patience. Now, there was a guy in our church that uh, you all know. His name is Mike Northcutt, one of the many Mikes. In fact, I think we have more Mikes in this church than, I think, uh, per capita. We're like, we're like the Mike capital. And... Uh, Mike Northcutt uh, has an incredible testimony of what it looks like to have love endure and to change you. And so I asked Mike to share his testimony, and so I'd like you to, to watch that with me now. Growing up, there was no real strong Christian influence in my life. Um, so I wasn't really a Christian. I didn't um, know who Jesus was. I didn't know how much he loved me either. Um, my older brother started playing paintball at uh, Christian Church of Estes Park, and that's where I met Aaron, who was the uh, youth pastor of Christian Church at that time, and uh, he's the leader of the whole paintball ministry program, and uh, we just came out and had a bunch of fun, uh, you know, shooting each other with paintball guns. Uh, and we all, as you know, as the kids in the group, we all thought that Aaron was so cool, and I still think Aaron's cool. Um, <laughs> but he, does. I mean, he really lived his faith out. I didn't, I didn't even know what being a Christian was, to be honest. It's not like Aaron was, you know, just preaching the gospel to my face, you know. But he was living it out with his life and his kindness and his lovingness towards all of us kids. Um, about eighth grade, I was so I started playing paintball in sixth grade, and then in eighth grade, uh, that's kind of when I started hanging out with kids that weren't a very good influence on me, and uh, it started with smoking cigarettes, and then it you know alcohol, and then uh, smoking marijuana, and then you know really from there, you know I started you know trying the harder drugs and stuff like that. And uh, eventually I got to the point where I was just like, would do whatever, I would do whatever drug I could find just because I didn't want to be sober, you know, because life is hard. And um, I was searching to fill the emptiness inside of me. And I was, you know, trying to fill it with all the wrong things. Little did I know that God's love was the only thing that could fill the emptiness inside of me. When I was doing drugs and stuff like that, I eventually started hanging out with this group of kids and we listened to this type of music. It was called death metal. And 
this music, all the lyrics, you know, whether they were joking or not, I don't know. But all the lyrics talk about basically murdering people and just killing and all sorts of bad stuff. Um, and then I also listened to Death Rap, which was the same kind of thing. It's really, I mean, it's real anti-God. And they, there's also this one band that I listened to called Suicide Silence. And they're real, I mean, really anti-God. And I just really kind of developed a hatred for anything that had to do with any sort of God in general, I guess. Um, any sort of mention of Jesus, and I was like, you know, whatever, that's, it's all garbage. Um, one day, God brought Mackenzie, uh, my current fiance, and she shared the gospel with me. And I was like, you know, this is how wicked I was. I would say, you know, oh, I'm going to be so bad, so wicked, that I'm going to be, you know, doing shots with the devil and, you know, smoking pot with Satan and all this stuff. I mean, as stupid as I was. And, uh, you know, she was like, why would you be rewarded for doing bad stuff? And I was like, well, if I'm just bad enough, I'll get, you know, me and Satan will be like best friends. Um, and Mackenzie was like, no, that's, it doesn't work that way. And something about that just really just made so much sense that I wouldn't get rewarded for doing bad stuff. What do you know? You know, we, we were dating, and I was still, you know, not a Christian, and, you know, still smoke. I didn't do the harder drugs at that time, but I still smoked pot and smoked cigarettes and stuff. And Mackenzie knew, but her, her love, God's love through her, endured all of that because she looked past the, the badness, you know, the wickedness that I have, that I had. And she saw what God could, the man that God, you know, could turn me into. Um, eventually it came to a point where I was ready to accept Christ, and I, I did. And, but I wasn't really doing anything about it. I wasn't getting baptized. I didn't get, you know, um, in touch with the church. I didn't really have a contact to get in touch with. At least my mind couldn't think of anyone. And it just, it all really came together when Mackenzie came back from this Christian camp one time. And she, uh, you know, she was just full of zeal for the Lord. And, you know, the Holy Spirit was just pouring out of her. And she was like, you know, all I want to do is read my Bible and, you know, just worship God and pray and, you know, I don't even want to go to school. And I was like, wow, I was taken back. I was like, I want that, you know. I wanted to have that kind of experience with God. And so that night I emailed my old, you know, paintball youth pastor, Aaron. And at that point I had been so disconnected from the church that I wasn't sure if, you know, Christian church still existed, if... Aaron still existed if he had moved. I wasn't sure, you know, what, you know, was going on. And so I emailed him, and he emailed me right back, and he said, let's meet up for coffee. And uh, so we met up for coffee, and, you know, I was still, you know, wearing my, my you know, flat brim hats, and I had my ears gauged. There are giant holes in my ears, and, you know, I had, like, death metal T-shirts on and stuff, you know, and... Uh, Aaron still just treated me with, I mean, so much respect and love, and it wasn't like he was looking at me like some sort of recovering drug addict that, you know, he just treated me like a human being that loved me, you know, and 
I came to find out that his um, that he had been praying for me in my whole uh, three years of you know doing wicked stuff, uh, which is just so awesome that he thought to pray for me, you know, that he loved me so much, that his love endured so much, that he was praying for me that whole time. It means so much to me. He's always willing to meet up with me and help me with all my, you know, struggles. Because, man, when you first become a Christian, I mean, there are some struggles. But, you know, not only Aaron and Mackenzie's love endured, but ultimately God's love endured. God's love endured through them. And I just think about the fact of, you know, me wanting to be best friends with God's enemy, Satan, you know, and me, you know, just really passionately blaspheming him at this concert one time and just all the hatred I had for anything that had to do with, you know, Jesus, God, any of that stuff. I just hated all of it, you know, and God still called me before time began to follow him and still even today. He chooses to use me, even though, you know, sometimes at work I choose to get angry with someone or whatever. I mean, God's love endures all of all of my wickedness. And, you know, obviously I repent of my sins and I'm being sanctified, but I still mess up, And but God still loves me. He doesn't say, oh, you've done it this time. It's, you know, it's done. We're done. He says, okay, you did it again. Um, repent and get back up on your feet and keep following me, you know, because I love you. So, yeah, um, God's love truly has endured a lot in my life. (laughs) Yeah, you get to live with him, cool guy. If you understand that Mike's story is, is not unique, he has the normal Christian experience. He has somebody who loves him, and he has a God who loves him. And God doesn't look at the outside. He sees the future. He knows you. And he calls brothers and sisters in Christ to do the same. And to endure, when it doesn't look like a person is ever going to change because they don't look at the person, they look at God. They look at Christ. They look at the Holy Spirit. They look at the church, they look at the promise, and they have hope, and love endures. And it changes people, doesn't it? It changes people. It changes the world. As we bring this series to a close, right, it's not just a series, it is the love of God. Don't let the love of God come to a close in you, but to be empowered by it, to endure to go out there and to love and to hope, to hope for a world that looks hopeless because we have a God who is amazing, who can do anything and can save anybody. We get to endure. And I think that's why this little passage all ends. It says, love never ends. You know, the better translation doesn't fail. It doesn't come to a point where God's love is just kind of gives up and it just stops or it just runs into something where it's finally defeated. We love and we love and we love until Christ returns or until he makes a change. That's what we do. How do you put that into practice in your life? Well, as always, I like to give you a couple of next steps. You can take them or take other ones. 
but I put them on the back of this connection card. So if you would take that out right now, I've got some ideas for you. The first thing that may be is maybe you're here this morning and you haven't started a relationship with Jesus. You have to start there. Love begins with God. God is love. You're not going to be able to walk in this loving relationship unless you have one with God himself. And so if you are here this morning and you say, I can't think of a time that I've ever come to Jesus as my Lord, which is the boss of my life. I'm going to come follow his ways instead of my own ways. And as my Savior, that he's going to actually save me. And I don't have to do it myself, but he's going to save me. I don't ever come to a time where I believe that. I can't remember a time where I've, I've changed my life to begin following him. And I've confessed him as my Lord and Savior. I can't think of a time where I've been baptized. I, I have never really been to the church to be able to be disciple. I haven't had that experience. If that's you, you need to start a relationship with Jesus. You have to start there. And we would love to help you. That's what a church family does. And maybe you're here this morning because God has more hope for you and in you in your life than you've ever had for yourself. And so if you would like to start a relationship with Jesus or would leave more information about that, I... I would like you to check this box. It says, I'd like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. And then make sure that you have a way for me to contact you that's legible, right? Because it's not an emotional response that we're looking for. God wants to save you. He wants to love you forever, to care for you and to bring out your best. And so we want to talk to you about what does that mean? We could talk to you, answer your questions about what does it mean to follow Jesus? And then how, how do you go about becoming a Christian and being engaged in a church family? What does that look like? So let me know. Let's start there. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, you, you heard Mike talk about it. I mean, after Mike came to Christ, you know, he was, he's being discipled now. Of Rob and Amy Booth have done a phenomenal job. I've had a chance to work with him some, but our church is coming alongside him, helping him grow in his faith. And look what he's doing. Uh, he's, he's affecting our community for Jesus. Well, that's a big thing. We want to be part of that. You are part of that. How do we engage in it? Well, here's some things that you can do. Beginning by allowing God's word to take root in your heart. This is your last week that you get the memory verse karaoke, but it's not the last time you can actually read and memorize this passage. But maybe you begin... By saying, you know, I'm going to memorize that 2 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I'm going to do it. And I'm not just going to memorize it. I'm going to think about what it says. And I'm going to ask God to help me apply it into my life. And for to look for opportunity to be patient and kind. To look for opportunities to bear all things. Or to believe the truth, all truth. Or, or to hope the right things, the truth about a person. Or an opportunity to endure because of God. Maybe that's what you, you, you start with this week and say, I'm going to memorize that. I'm going to let God's word take root in my heart and know that it doesn't ever go away void, right? It, it doesn't return in void. Maybe that's where you start. Or how about this? Maybe you read 1 Corinthians. We spent six weeks in one little passage of it. Pretty powerful stuff. That is just one passage. You want to put that passage into context. Because this passage about the power of love is in, is in the greater context of a chapter or an area that talks about how love is a more superior way of living the Christian life. It's a better way of being human. And maybe that's where you begin with and you look at that. But you also want to get the fuller context of what the whole letter of 1 Corinthians is about. Because that book is really applicable to our lives. Maybe that's where you begin this week and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that book. It's not long, but I'm going to read it. Or how about this? Maybe your, your thing you're going to do this week is you're going to look. You're, you're, going to, you're going to look at the right things. Perhaps right now you're in the midst of a trial. Maybe there's too much pain for you to bear. 
Maybe you feel like Paul and you're up against a place in your own Asia and it's just too awful and you, there's no way out. And you're looking at your problems and you're looking at the situation. You're like, this is hopeless. I'm going to die on this mountain and it's going to be worthless. And you're looking at the issue, at the problem, and you're, and you're losing your ability to endure. Maybe what you begin to do this week is you say, I'm going to look at the right things. I'm going to, when I begin to get freaked out at my problem, I'm going to look to God. I'm going to purposely, willfully look to God and who he is. They say, he's the one that can help me, and he's bigger than this. And I'm going to look to Christ and say, you know what? If Christ can endure the cross, he's going to allow me to be able to endure this. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to look beyond this. This is a means. God is at work in this. I'm going to trust him in this, so I'm going to stand firm with him. And maybe what you do is you look to the Holy Spirit, and you say, God, you are with me. You're with me in this. You're going to, I, this is not going to overcome me. I do have a sequel coming, so help. And you begin to pray. And you look to the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you begin to look to the church and you say, you know what, help. And you send that SOS to the church family. Maybe it's in your life group or a brother or sister in the faith that you've, you've gotten to know. Maybe you call the office or you look to the church and say, I need help. I can't do this alone. Or maybe you also then, you look to the promise. And you know that today is not forever. And you know that God wins and you stand with him so you also get to win. How great is that? And you begin to say, there is purpose in this and I will cut through this. This is not the end. You begin to look at the right things. Maybe that's what you, how you put this to practice this week in a very practical, real way. Or you know what? Maybe, you, maybe your prayer is this, just to stand fast. Maybe your prayer to God is say, God, help me stand and to not lose faith now. Bring me exactly what I need because I feel like I'm sinking. And you begin to pray, God, help me to stand fast with you. And watch what he does. Maybe there's something else you do. Maybe there's another commitment that you would need to make. That God and his Holy Spirit has been calling upon you this message. And you know he wants you to do something. Write it down. Let us know so we can pray for you this week. And we do. You know, if you make a commitment on your bulletins, we've, this week was a great suggestion. So you don't forget what you've committed to. You can just part and mark that on your, commit, your bulletin. Take that home with you. You know, if there's a prayer request that you have. If, when we are in the midst of difficult times, we don't look to ourselves. One of the best ways to look to God is through prayer because now we're asking him. We're saying, God, engage in this. Let us pray with you. It's been amazing to see the things that God has done over this last year. I mean, some truly amazing things, miracles. God answers and he's powerful and he does things in his own way, his own time, but he always does good things. So let's talk to God with you. And if you've got something that you want us to join you with prayer with, write that down. And here in a couple minutes, we're going to pray. And then after we're done praying, uh, we're going to have an opportunity for us all to pray if we want to. And after we have that time, we're going to take our, our tithes and our offerings. And we do that. I want you to take this connection card and put it in the basket so that way uh, we can we can uh, be able to, to give to God our heart and our faith. So make that be an action of faith for you. All right. Well, please join me as we, as we conclude this portion of the service by talking to God. Heavenly Father, we draw great hope in you. We draw great uh, assurance in you because we, we know that you can make anything out of nothing if you should so choose. Uh, but you can also make life from death. In fact, Scripture even reminds us how many times that you bring beauty from ashes and that you are not overwhelmed by this world or by our troubles or by our times, that you are certainly competent and capable to handle all of eternity. 
and which means that you can handle our today. Father, I thank you that love does endure, that your love doesn't wear out, that when we don't look right or we don't act right, you don't just give up on us, but you see the end and you care for us, that you were willing to endure the cross and, and to scorn its shame because you saw the glory that was on the other side, not just for yourself, but also for us. That you are loving and compassionate and caring. Every one of those things that we read about love, we know is a characteristic that is from you. That you are so patient. And that you are so kind. And your compassion finds action. And it does amazing things. And you don't have to boast or be proudful. You don't have to do all those wicked things. Father, that you're not selfish. But instead, Father, you bear up all of our sin, all of our brokenness. You're able to bear the sins of all people for all time. And you cover our sin from the time we were born to the time that we pass from this life. And you also carry us in the midst of it all the way through. And you know the truth because you are the truth. And therefore, you have given us great reason for this hope. So help us now to endure Help us in this church family to endure. And I know that each of us are buried and and weighed down by different burdens. We have concerns and cares. So, Father, help us. Help us in the midst of these things to endure with you and your love. Now, Father, as we go before you as a congregation in prayer, and I ask, Father, that uh, all the prayers that are spoken and even those that aren't, Father, that you would hear them and that you would help us, we ask in Christ's name.